0: Big Finish, we love
1: stories. You're listening to The Big Finish Podcast, release date the 7th of November 2021.
0: A weird hard-to-find
2: bar on a deserted asteroid in the middle of nowhere with this amount of space traffic? Does that seem right to you?
3: That looks like the entrance over there.
2: This is the part where the running for our
1: lives usually starts. And Benji. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. And you want to know about the uh, latest audio drama of Big Finish Productions, do you? Well, uh, this is the podcast for you. Mm,
4: sounds a bit dodgy. Uh, a bit after uh, our customary bit of nonsense banter, Benji and I will once again deliver to you the Good Reviews Guide, this time reviewing the reviews of Master. When we'll be dressing for the occasion. <laughs> That's a yeah, in-joke yeah. about Eric Roberts playing the Masters.
1: My poor dear child. Yeah, I always dress for the occasion. Following that we'll be going behind the scenes with Jenny the doctor's daughter, still running, starring Georgia Tennant, who is, I've just got the reports in. She's still running
3: Hello I am Georgia Tennant And I played Jenny
1: Amazing news there Benji We'll
4: then thrill you With some great emails In a segment of the podcast We've imaginatively entitled Listeners emails And of course Said emails are sent to Podcast at BigFinish.com
1: In our also available segment We'll be giving you a preview Of this week's fascinating Big Finish in conversation release I, Jacoby In which Sir Derek Jacoby Speaks frankly and movingly About his life and career
0: The interval is long over and and so so why not uh reminisce a bit ah Jacoby. Ah, oh boy.
4: and then if you know what's good for you you'll stick around for the randomoid selectatron which will once again be featuring offering you a 25 percent discount on a
1: randomly selected big finish release
3: winston churchill Churchill.
1: And finally, we round things off with a free 15-minute drama tease of Jenny 2 still running Inside the Maldivarium by Adrian Poynton. Don't you scrub up nicely, pretty one.
2: Don't do that. Acting all casual like you couldn't care less.
3: Noah, for the last time, I am not jealous that the weird elephant bouncer finds you more attractive than me.
4: Yes, well, I think a little chat about Sir Derek Jacoby is in order, Benji. Oh, it'd be rude not to, wouldn't it? I mean, what,
1: what do you first think of when you think of Sir Derek Jacobi? absolute legend the man is an absolute legend like he is just you know uh the official stamp of a production being incredible because he's just so good he brings everything to the table he's a fantastic actor really nice man uh and just in a class of his own really
4: you've never done a, a recording with him or anything like that or been interested? i have i've
1: oh. i um i worked as an engineer uh for just a one-off session with him me and scott hancock uh we spent sort of three quarters of the day, just just working with him, and, and he just did the whole thing. He was just class, he was so nice. And yeah. so, um, you know, because we he was recording in France, I believe, mm-hmm. and so uh, internet, of course, across that distance is gonna be a bit dodgy, but we got through it, but he was just brilliant. You, you know, he just, he worked with Scott, Scott was reading in, he was doing his thing, and he just never missed a beat. Uh, yeah. You know, you sit there, uh, he makes, he makes your, your job so easy because he is so good. But he, I think what's helpful is he's just a really nice man. Yeah. Like, you don't get any bad vibes. He's just warm and nice and class. And, yeah, you just end up leaving thinking, wow, you know, that's why. that This is why he is he is as good as he is because he is... Why he's whole, successful as he is because he's just so good, isn't he? He is just so good. And, you know, it's... Listening to that and only, only re, you know only hearing one side of the story because he is recording his role as the master. Uh, you go away and you you want to hear more because because he just gives it such a, a gravitas. Um, but yeah, what a what a guy! Uh, Incredible. I think the key is that he loves it, doesn't he? He loves to act.
4: You know, he Definitely. just loves his job. He loves it, and he's got such concentration and focus, and it it always. Delights and means something to him I must have told you the story That when we first worked with him It actually came about by accident Because we were doing A deadline which was one of the Unbound um, I think it was called Deadline wasn't it Yeah uh, One of the Unbound stories Oh look just Yeah. By on. Rob Shearman and, um, and we wanted to find a really uh, You know incredibly Classy um, Sort of doctor, because he was sort of a doctor, but not a doctor. And uh, the person, it was deadline, Uh, the person uh, who we sort of, I don't know how, but it was going to be Sir Ian McKellen. But Sir Ian's agent said i don't know why he thinks he's going to be able to do this because he's doing this that and the other at the same time he's not going to have the time and energy to do this but he said he wants to he's read the script really likes it wants to do it and then two weeks before the recording she said look i'm sorry what i thought would happen has happened he's just realized he just doesn't have the time to do it and he's really sorry but we're just going to have to pass on this and we went oh yeah and they said to, um to the producer i think it was uh, John Ainsworth, they said, look, I, I don't know. I mean, what about uh, Sir Derek Jacobi? Like, like we were going to go, no, no, thanks. We'll get someone else. Uh, you know, and we went, oh, and actually, even though obviously Sir Ian McKellen would have been brilliant in his own way, um, Sir Derek was, was better casting for the role. And I don't know why we hadn't thought of it before. I think it's because the Ian McKellen thing came up because he happened to be in the country at the time in between doing Lord of the Rings stuff, something like that. And so uh, and uh, the agent said a marvellous thing to us, which was, well, he's on holiday at the moment, Sir Derek, um, but when he comes back, I know he hasn't got anything booked for that time when you need to record it. And he likes to work so i can tell you i can almost guarantee he'll say yes because he he just likes working and if he comes back on holiday and i say there's this doctor who thing blah, blah 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 he'll just do it he'll be re- and he was really delightful and as i've bored everyone with so many times before i had a terrible stress dream beforehand <laughs> where I was being, I was overcompensating for him being famous and being dismissive to him and being hor- absolutely horrid to him and telling him off and making him eat pizza in a public, in a pizza hut in <laughs> Stockwell High Street with him going, I don't like and, and me saying, shut up and just behave yourself. It's just all, I have since told him about this, which he just laughed about, bless him. He's such a lovely man. Um, and as you'll hear from the extract we play later, You know, he does not like to be called Sir Derek. um, And Scott Hancock, who gets on with him so well, very early on in their working relationship, uh, Scott has a habit of calling everyone Sir. It's just the thing he does. And. And of course when he called Derek sir He kept saying don't call me sir You know no no no. no. So, and Scott sort of had to explain I said "I said seriously Derek He, he calls everyone sir It's just a thing that Scott does in the studio And he was like oh well just call me Derek And I suggested a very rude name he could call Derek and, Which was risking it a bit It was a very rude name that I can't um, Repeat here and Derek just really Laughed raucously I said well we'll just call you bleep. Uh, anyway, just a lovely man. So lovely. I just remember him saying, oh, uh, just call me Del Boy. Del Boy. That's right. And that's what he says to Scott in the in the call interview. Me call Boy. me Del Boy. Yeah, I don't think anyone ever does call him Del Boy. <laughs> no, but, uh, I certainly did He didn't. always says, call me Dale Boy, because he is so not a Dell Boy. Is he? He's definitely a Derek. And frankly, a Sir Derek, or a Lord Derek. I mean, he's so... There's such a gentleness to him isn't there a delicacy but also a fierce uh intelligence
1: and and i don't know there's a there's a lot of compassion in him isn't there there really there really is and you know it's it's i think this is the thing isn't it is that when you when you have actors like sir derek Jacobi, you you worry about how they will be because you hmm. they're often these cliches of you know these huge actors um, so when you meet somebody who is just so wonderfully nice and disarmingly so as well, it puts yeah. you when you're in that situation, you just feel very at ease. It's just a delight, you know. I've, I, it's a huge privilege to work with him, and he was just yeah, you know, he was just so nice. I think is is the thing. Yeah. He just so nice, and as you've mentioned as well, um, he has such a good relationship with Scott. Um, they get on so well, yeah. and really, uh, you know, this this release, it's it's absolutely. It's the perfect combination for Scott to be interviewing him. Well, I think uh, Scott
4: suggested it as well, and we grabbed the idea with both hands. I mean, Scott's—I well, mean—it was Scott's idea to do the War Master in the first place. He pitched it to us, which we just thought, "Yeah, yes, we don't need to think absolutely. about this for any more than two <laughs> seconds." Thank you, Scott. We'll be doing that. Thank you. Yeah, uh, nice. And it also reminds me of something that David Richardson, you know, our senior producer, said about um, Sir John Hurt. Uh, you know when sir john arrived you know everyone was very respectful but sir john wouldn't have it did not oh, want to be treated like he was important just wouldn't have any of that nonsense and and derek is the same just won't won't have it not in a vicious way but it's just like you know no 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 i'm just a member of the cast you know and am not in a sort of pretentious like, no 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 please but have i am very important tea. really just totally down to earth brilliant
1: Well, time now then for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And this week, as promised,
4: it's Master! That's with an exclamation mark too.
3: Looming through the flames with his serpent's eyes and cruel smile, the haunter of my dreams approaches, as I knew he always would.
5: My poor dear child, you really should never have meddled with things you don't understand.
4: From Big Finish Productions, Master.
3: It seems we experienced some kind of temporal distortion on our test run.
2: You mean you affected time? I want to show you something. What? Everything.
5: God, something's coming through! I, I. I.
3: I'm here. Well, this place hasn't seen visitors in a while.
5: If I were her, I'd be ready to kill.
3: I wish you to receive us as friends. I can only imagine how you treat your enemies.
5: I have no enemies, Chancellor. No one would be stupid enough to make an enemy of me.
6: A compact flyer is taking off with two people
3: aboard. Okay, different tactic. Targeting engine unit.
6: Target, prosecuted. No fatality. Flyer descending at a 22 degree angle, 46 meters per second. Chance of survival, 82
3: percent. Don't blind me with science, Artie. Power output at 4 percent. Origin pilot, Okay, transferring to manual controls.
0: Pull up a bank. We can't crash there. Big finish. We love stories.
5: Attention, Earth authorities. We have returned. Do not resist. All resistance will be exterminated. I'll have to give them the bad news. Their position is taken.
3: Daleks. The Daleks are back.
5: Don't worry, Lila. I've met Daleks before, and I can't wait to catch up.
1: Just go to bigfinish.com and type master or master <laughs> into the search pane at the top, and you'll find a selection of releases, and this will be in the top Seven. First up, Big Blue Box Podcaster Code.uk Maria says, uh, I've enjoyed this box set and Eric Roberts' take on his master. His voice certainly has a seductive quality. We'd like a seductive quality. <laughs> uh, he has captured the more mesmeric quality of the character alongside the intelligent vital moments. His master, master, thinks that he can talk himself out of any situation. His interactions with Vienna Salvatore in the previous and this story are great fun as they both recognise each other as hunters. Eric Roberts and Chase Masterton uh, are enjoying their roles tremendously and it shows.
4: Yes, I think it must be Masterson, isn't it? She's put Mas- Masterton, but never mind. Uh, I give that uh, four out of five that review
1: because of, of it, that. Yeah, of course uh, it's Masterson. is yeah. it? yes. Uh, don't don't ask me, mate. I'm just reading this. Just, off just the read. I don't just, have enough time to. You don't have enough time to think when you're reading. No, just read. Just read. No, it's Mas- it's Masterson. Yes. Who wants Who wants, who wants we can ask uh, me to yes, fetch her some cheese that. at the hotel buffet? All right.
4: Gouda. And of course, Eric's classic conversation with me was. Hi, I'm Eric. Got a light? (laughs) Which I did have, because I smoked at the time. Uh, WhoReview.com, Daniel Mansfield, Master, is one of the strongest releases of the year so far, and as such, certainly comes Recommended! Recommended! great review thank you daniel good review there give that 11 out of two
1: news.doctorwhoonline.co.uk robert m Slater says featuring great performances all round, an interesting blade runner inspired setting Mm. twists explosions and plenty of evil master laughs laughs master laughs this is a box set everyone should give a listen to be they fans of the roberts master or not If it doesn't redeem him, at the very least, it gives us an interesting and more in depth take on a fan favourite character. 8 out of 10.
4: I'll give it 10 out of 8.
1: Boom. Uh, the digitalfix.com, Lachlan
4: Haycock says the exploration of a dystopian future across these stories has proved interesting. And hearing Eric Roberts back in action against such a vividly realized backdrop makes this an absorbing release from Big Finish. I've been absorbed by this yes, release. Yes,
1: most absorbing. Most <laughs> absorbing. <laughs> dr um, doctorwho.com Julia Tibbett says or Tibbett uh, says this box set has the benefits of an incredible production team and cast they created a well realized world that absorbs the listener another absorb uh, oh. the three stories feature an intriguing opening and an action packed middle and an intense ending oh I've, I don't know. What can you say? Uh, it's definitely a
4: five out of five there. At cultbox.co.uk, Ian McArdle, Master, packs in a tremendous amount to its three episodes. The Rebuilding of the Earth, The Master's Resurrection, Vienna, and The Return of the Daleks, or Daleks, as we like to call them. In fact, we wish there'd be more time to explore some of the elements further. The Master's plans for corporate global dominance seemed an idea full of dramatic potential. It feels... To us, this is cultbox.uk, not um, Ian McArdle. He doesn't refer to himself in the Royal We. Um, That's a bit unpleasant, the Royal We. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) it feels to us as though there is ample space for this master to rise again oh yeah good idea and eric roberts clearly gets a kick out of playing the role too that's five stars one of them's white and the other um four are blue so that five. makes six
1: <laughs> i always remember jacqueline pierce saying uh, in a in a drama outtake once we must defeat the daleks <laughs> 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 makes me laugh every time. It was because she, she absolutely acted the hell yeah, out of it. totally um, followed it in through. Brilliant. Yes, um, <laughs> um, We had to correct it, obviously. Uh warpfactor.com, Matthew Kressel says, uh, however you feel about the TV movie and Robert's as the master in it, this set from Big Finish is worth seeking out. From letting Robert shine in a meaty role that allows him to bring his charm and menace to the part, to exploring a largely untravelled part of Doctor Who's future history, Mm -hmm. it's a prime example of what Big Finish has been doing for two decades now. Namely taking the underserved characters and letting them have their moment in the sun. To put it another way, let me quote a well-remembered tagline from the TV movie, He's back and it's about time.
4: Pizza meaty roll. Was there a lot at stake?
1: <laughs> 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 you can see what he's doing. He's, he's ribbing us there. Hey, uh, hey. Hey.
4: Chicken legs. What? Anyway, indie <laughs> Mac- <laughs> uh, from uh, Jacob Licklider. Master Everyone likes to start their review with Master, master. Uh, It's unique for the usual Master spin-offs Because of its perspective And genuinely redeems Eric Roberts' Master After a long time away And reflecting on the role Definitely a unique big finish experiment With a good look into where releases are heading In terms of structure and story Nine out of ten Not, not entirely sure I understood that But probably read it out quite badly Sorry
1: well, let's see if we can understand. Kyle here. Kyle, Doctor Who Reviews.net says, For an incarnation of the Doctor's most personal nemesis mm. that was so unfairly maligned for so long, Master uh, proves just how much this character has to offer, and hopefully the signal, it signals the beginning of another long and fulfilling journey throughout time and space. Four stars or, uh, you know, Toe whacking stubby. their elbow on a, on a shelf. Whatever it is, it's still good.
4: It's interesting, there's a real vibe of people going oh, you know, people don't like this master, or people don't like the TV movie. There's that, that little vibe is going underneath all these reviews as a basic assumption which was kind it's of news, true. news to me, you know what I mean? It's really weird yeah. when you encounter these sort of well-established apparently ideas. It's like when I you know, started meeting other Doctor Who fans and found that people didn't like Claws of Axos and Revenge of the Cybermen and Death of the Daleks and I thought, these stories are great. People go, no, no, no they're no good, these stories. So it's really interesting, this kind of Assumed sort of Assumptions isn't it? Values That you know to, to be your own person Stick with what you love And it doesn't matter What the others say uh, Just one little venture Into the madness Of the Twitter sphere This week Yes uh, At Gary Murden One Says Love the Vienna range Really enjoyed Eric As the master So I naturally Had huge hopes For this release Turns out I wasn't wrong A fantastic story That definitely needs a sequel Beautifully done Gary Murden One Straight to
1: the point, no mucking about. That's what we like to see. And that's it for the reviews this week. More next time. Coming up soon, it'll be
4: listeners' emails. But first, we go behind the scenes with Jenny, the doctor's daughter,
1: still running. Oh, she's, she's a rest at rest out of water or something. Blimey.
7: Hello, my name's Adrian Poynton. I'm the writer of episode one of Jenny, volume two. And my episode's called Inside... The Moldavarium.
3: So the best thing for us to do is to keep ourselves moving. Therefore, we're going to need that reactor for the ship. And to get that, we need to go... Inside the Moldavarium.
7: Seriously?
3: I'm just trying to keep it light.
7: Well, I was really excited because Matt Fitton, who's script editor on the Jenny box sets, just came to me and said two things. One, how do you feel about Ryan episode one of the new box set? And two, how do you feel about Dorian Moldavar? And I bit his hand off because I love the character of Dorian. The stuff Stephen Moffat did with him in such a small amount of episodes and Simon, who plays him's performance on those just few scenes, really, just gave us such a full and rounded character that I just was giddy to play with, you know? And and it's great because when you get a character like Dorian, you get a lot of other stuff with him. You kind of get, you know, you get the Maldivarium, this bar slash trading post that he owns and... Uh, uh, and that's great, because then you start thinking about who works there with him and what characters inhabit it, and already the world is filled out. Just like one character being handed to me, I just had this this exciting world to play in already, and that's half the battle with the story.
3: Hello, I am Georgia Tennant, and I played Jenny.
2: I am Sean Biggerstaff, and I play Noah, the boy from nowhere.
3: Go over and find out about the auction. How am I supposed to do that? Don't worry, I'm great at this stuff. I'll direct you.
2: Really? because isn't that what you were doing earlier when you got thrown through the glass screen? Oh,
3: shish. They're sort of, they're doing much of the same um, from series one. Um, I think the idea being that she doesn't like to sit still at any point and he's trying to make her do a bit more of that. And inevitably they run into, or in her case, pursue, I would say, um, dangerous situations because it's fun.
7: And then you start thinking about, well, okay, well, Dorian sells things to people at auctions and things like that, and the highest bidder. Uh, what's he going to be selling that could attract Jenny there? Because she's going to want to go there and stop him, surely, whatever he's selling. And then you sort of realize, oh, it's probably only one thing, isn't it? And then the second you've got that, you suddenly realize, oh, I've got a story. Oh, and you're, just, you're just giddy to write it. So um, it didn't take a lot of inspiration, honestly. Really, the inspiration for this episode was uh, just... The character of Dorian and the idea of putting him and Jenny together at Loggerheads, and then you're off to the races.
3: I feel like on some level, Adrian has known that I've been waiting to get into a TARDIS for many, many years, and I'm glad that he was the man to put me in one. There was like a proper goosebumpy moment, wasn't there? It was like...
2: Yeah. No. I'm a, I'm a real uh, as you know well, Georgia, mm-hmm. kind of prematurely old, jaded, and um, don't often get excited. By what I'm reading in the scripts for things that I'm going to do, um, and when when the uh, the possibility of a TARDIS was introduced, that
6: genuinely got me really excited. Mm. Hello, I'm Simon Fisher becker and I'm playing the character of Dorian Moldovar. The Doctor is everywhere and nowhere, but when he does show up again, I very much want to be able to say I helped protect his kin.
3: I don't need your protection, Dorian.
6: And I'm not offering it. <laughs> Inside the Moldavarian by Adrian Pointer is brilliant and really does show uh, <laughs> Dorium at his best. And uh, you've got to work out what are the actions he's taking. Uh, are they for his own desire and his own profit? Or is he secretly doing something to do something good for somebody else? Well, that's up to the listener to work out.
3: You're witty, that's exactly what he is. Willie the space Wonker. <laughs> Thanks Sean. But yes, he's um, he's well he's he's a delightful character. I laughed out
6: loud in some parts and I was so grateful that it had this multi-layer aspect of Durham uh, sort of woven into the the dialogue. Let them know the location immediately. Whatever your business may be. The Moldavarian is once again back in business! He's <laughs> so multi-layered. That's what I enjoy most. And, and working with some excellent... Like, this is a brilliant script, this one. And for actors, we're always told to read between the lines, but in this case, we didn't have to. It's all there. All there to work with. And the other thing is really after production, and once it's on sale getting the feedback from the fans is always brilliant and uh, the fans will be over the moon because they're constantly asking if dorian's coming back and uh, i have to say after 10 years i think it's brilliant that my character is still sought after and thank you very much big finish for giving us the opportunity
3: what's lovely about big finish is everyone that they pick to join each episode that we do is so lovely that it's just such a joy, isn't it? Every every day is like oh, yeah, that's a shame a new not to have them person. in the room today. we have just been yeah. working
2: with a, a group of uh, disembodied voices. Um, yeah, which means we might get sick but...
3: of each other a bit sooner than we would have if they'd been <laughs> <Yeah. some> padding. <laughs> but yes, it, it's nice that they're very they're a good judge of character. I would say.
8: Hello, my name is Barnaby Kay, and I am the director on these new episodes of Jenny, the Doctor's Daughter, still running. The casting side of things is, is is really thrilling and it's lovely and I think it's it's great testament to to Big Finish almost without exception, actors if they can do it, if they're available, will do it. Because they know the by either by reputation or, or by experience. They know what an enjoyable time it is and how how much fun is had, but then also how seriously the work is taken and how we strive to get the very best performances and to tell the story in the clearest and, and best possible way
1: just go to bigfinish.com type jenny into the search pane at the top to find our adventures with the doctor's daughter now then nick is it that time <coughs> it is indeed benji it's time <sighs> for
4: <coughs> listeners email <coughs>
1: Perfectly done, and you don't have to run to deliver an email. They actually deliver themselves. All you have to do is click a button. And if you want them to get to us, just uh, address them to podcast at bigfinish.com, fire them off in the torpedo based email firing system, and it will reach us. And that's exactly what Nigel Bromley did here with the subject line Welcome to the village. Um, Hello, folks. I'm sorry to report a terrible confession. I've only just caught up with the prisoner. (gasps) There's a load of smiley face, well, sort of scared, shocked face emojis there. Uh, I feel terrible that it's taken so long and I won't list out the lame excuses to you, (laughs) safe to say it's a poor show, my end. (laughs) But once I finally got into it, oh my goodness, they are just fantastic in absolutely every single way. Uh, I've binged all three series, I've gone from very little knowledge to becoming obsessed with them. The scripts sparkle, not a single line of dialogue is wasted, the performances are electric, Mark Elstob is perfect with an inner burning fury and Lucy Briggs Owen has a mercurial ability to move me brilliant she could read the phone directly and we would all end up in tears it's true it's true uh, the music is brilliant i can't stop humming it which my wife is finding slightly annoying <laughs> well uh, i find I'm...
4: these things annoying i find,
1: uh... <laughs> i'm totally in love with this series so please thank everyone involved in them the trouble is now i've finished them and now i'm lovesick mm. so please tell me there'll be more coming be seeing you Nigel, number 68, Bromley. PS, don't worry too much about my lovesick mental health. I'll get over missing The Village with regular doses of Doctor Who and Blake 7. Ah.
4: Well, wow. Nigel, out of the blue, what a fantastic email about one of my favourite things I've done for Big Fish. So proud of what we all achieved on The Prisoner. I, do, I mean, there's the remotest possibility we might revisit it at some point, but I feel that it's a complete thing, you know, with a proper ending and everything. So, oh, I do recommend, if you haven't tried it, do... Um, I haven't encountered anyone and please don't write in if you're not one of these people uh, <laughs> Don't ruin this who's, who's tried it and said no it's not for me I mean, The nearest I got to it was Tim Beddows who's uh, the managing director or CEO of um, Network and he he won't listen to it because it's not got Patrick McGuin in it I even sent him the files in two different forms for him <laughs> to. Friend, and he, he pretended not to be able to open them which is nonsense Anyway Tim we love Tim but seriously yes, you mate, do. you've got to try nice it guy. Anyway, next up, here's one from Daniel Hughes, BBC News. Not from BBC News, it just rhymes. Hello, Nick and Benji, also whoever this week's podcast guest is, if there is one this time. There isn't. It's just us. Sorry. Uh, Just a couple of questions regarding the Third Doctor Adventures, which is, of course, the title on the subject line of your email. Other than Landbound, The Prisoner of Peladon and Terror of the Master, depending if you consider the unit team as companions or not, it is rarely explored... um, the the Third Doctor's post-exile adventures without a companion and was wondering if this is something you would consider for possible future companionless stories. Maybe an original companion which bridged the gap between Joe Grant and Sarah Jane Smith. I'm not entirely against that idea. Who knows what happened between the Green Death and the Time Warrior? I think I may delve into that. I've had ideas about this for some time. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just eating a bit of orange because... Um, i um, still suffering from my cold. Speaking of <coughs> speaking of the Doctor-era regulars, we haven't had Mike Yates in a story for some uh, quite some time and was wondering if there were plans for more. I understand Richard Franklin was unwell last year, but I'm hoping he would be well enough to return to the role at some point soon. Um, unfortunately, uh, Richard is still uh, quite unwell, and I did see a thing on Twitter uh, just this week saying that he was undergoing some quite serious surgery, so sending all our... our feelings and love to richard and and best wishes um stay well and stay safe says daniel
1: thank you daniel dean harrison here with a technical question converting m4b to episodic (sighs) mp3 um dear nick and benji in response to max davies housefield's question about playing audiobooks on mp3 players it's not as old-fashioned as you might (laughs) think Whilst for people who use Apple products, clicking on an M4B file brings up something to play the file, for the rest of us in the world, not so much. Many other platforms, especially non-phone hardware, it's seen as a proprietary format and not supported natively. For a long time, I too used MP3 players to listen to Big Finish in the car, and for many, many years they have been fairly basic. You tend to find car stereos in basic model cars, tend not to have the bells and whistles, and with many modern cars now having embedded stereos rather than the old ones that you could swap out yourself, you don't get newer features till you buy a newer car. Mm. The days of nipping a Halfords to upgrade your stereo are gradually disappearing. Indeed. Uh, I only got a car in the last few years that had the ability to run apps, also using uh, using Android Auto, uh, and even then the Big Finish app didn't support Android Auto. Fortunately, it now does, yeah. and all is good in the world, but not everyone can go out and buy an expensive modern car just to listen to, the big, uh, to big Finish on the journeys. What might be old-fashioned in the iPhone world is fairly common in the car stereo world. Uh, if it helps, Maniac Tools do a free M4A to MP3 com- to MP3 converter. It's really painless to use. Load the audiobook, click convert, and it separates it into MP3 files for each chapter. And you can do many titles together in bulk. I use that all the time to organise my episodes on my media server. Cheers. Dean Harrison. There we go. That's really Technical useful. Voice.
4: He says free M4A. Does he mean M4A? Is there such a thing as an M4A? There is such a thing uh-huh. as an M4A, yeah. How does yeah, that yeah.
1: help with M4Bs, then? I don't know. And maybe it, maybe it, it works in the same way with an M4B.
4: I mean, I would say that all the Big finished productions are available as MP3s anyway. So... I'm not.
1: I mean, quite, maybe just use a, you know, I'm, I don't know I'm not yeah. quite
4: certain why they need to be why you need to change the M4B into an MP3 when they're already available as MP3s, but I think the thing last time, uh, well the time before last, someone was saying that uh, Well, when I say someone, I mean um, uh, at Max Davies Housefield I think it was, was saying that um, when he imported the MP3s, they all came in the wrong order, again I'm not I can't see why that happens um i would just say uh listen i I might have sounded a bit sort of elitist going on about uh, apple stuff but my car has got a cd player in it (laughs) so my my car is a 2002 um a renault scenic mate so yeah i i can't play any of this stuff in my car which is very annoying um
1: yeah Know, you could you could always do the classic thing if you've got a cassette player is put the cassette player to aux, then aux to Bluetooth adapter, and then phone to Bluetooth, and then that would work in a crazy higgledy-piggledy way there. Um, you yeah, I, I don't, don't even understand like, what you just said. There you go. There. Quite <laughs> frankly, just uh, just go on eBay and buy some of the old cassettes they'll work you get the genocide machine on cassette and have a lovely time doing that <laughs> that's
4: it for the emails this week more next time
1: still to come up on the podcast the randomoid select strong giving you a 25% discount off a randomly selected big finish release Ooh. and we drama use you with the first 15 minutes of jenny the doctor's daughter still running yes she's still running um, but first, it's time for Also Available. This week, we preview Scott Hancock talking to Sir Derek Jacobi in our big
8: finish in conversation release. I, Jacobi, out this week. I've got to think how to introduce you because I'd normally just say hello, Derek. But yeah. Obviously, for listeners, they're going to expect Sir Derek.
0: They won't expect that. Del Boy will Del do. Boy. <laughs>
8: <laughs> so, Del Boy. Yes. Sir so Derek, thank you for agreeing to come and chat with me today. My great pleasure. You strike me as quite a private individual. So, what sort of persuaded you
0: to agree to come and do this? Uh, well, I know you. I trust you. I Always like you. Always a mistake. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know, really. I suppose I'm I'm at an age now where mm. I'm very much into the fifth act. The interval is long over. and And so... So why not uh, reminisce a bit, you Mm. know, go back? Because uh, life is very different. Career is very different now. Um, And it'd be nice to retread all those paths, Mm. you know.
8: We were talking a little bit as you came in about how the last year, especially with lockdown, has been quite peculiar because I suppose there haven't been those jobs or events by which to navigate time. How, How have you found...
0: Twenty twenty. Well, do I, don't I was a war baby? Mm. I've been here before, <laughs> uh, when everything was uh, well. Actually, not quite as locked down as this. Mm. You know, things were were still open. Theaters were still going. You know, on thinks of the Windmill. We never closed <laughs> all through the war. Um, so it's really a bit deja vu mm. for me. Um, I think our business has suffered inordinately, really. Um, s- somehow. Culture and uh, theatrical uh, entertainment is is considered, although it brings vast amounts of money you know, into the country, it's, it's considered not necessary. Mm. Um, it's not life or death, you know. Um, so we suffer in the, in that sense, really.
8: A positive note to start on. Thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you talk there about being a war baby. Mm. You were born on the 22nd of October 1938. Yes. In your family home in Leightonston.
0: Yes. And we both ended up in an oxygen tent. I took nearly 40 hours to come out. You missed your cue. I missed my (laughs) cue. I've never had such a late entrance in my life. (laughs) But I did take a long while and uh, she was in a poor state. And we were both shoved in an oxygen tent um, immediately after.
8: And this was your mother, Daisy? Yep. And your father was Alfred? Yeah. Um, what are your memories of them as parents growing up?
0: Oh, I adored them. I was an only child. Mm. Um, and they were my friends as well as my parents. Totally supportive. Of course, I didn't see Dad until really very much until the war was mm. over. Because he, he was stationed not abroad. He was stationed in various places all over the country. Um, and uh, he was kind of... The, the the person who sent me Baker light planes <laughs> through the post and that sort of thing. And they told me later that they were very worried when eventually war ended and became a proper dad, mm. whether I would take to him. You know, because by, by 45, I was seven years old. Mm. I was a bit formed, you know. Um, I adored him. I adored both of them. And I owe them so much. So much. Um because, as things turned out, I wanted to be and do uh, something that was just not part of their of their lives, mm. an actor. I remember them saying, you know, it doesn't owe you a living son. And uh, I don't know where it came from. I don't know why I grew up wanting to be an actor, but I, but I did. Mm. I, from as far back as I can remember, playing on the street dressing up in mum's clothes. I remember, I remember finding her wedding veil and running down the street and catching it on all the privets all the way down the street. And, of course, got back in shreds and being my mother, she said, don't worry, love, don't worry. You know, that, that, that's history now. Um, and they were that understanding and that accommodating. And they made my life very, very easy. Which was a good thing and a bad thing because it—I uh, wasn't used to knocks. I wasn't used to disappointment. Or I wasn't used to anything that wasn't absolutely lovely.
8: Mm. You know? Do you think you're still quite a sensitive soul in that sense?
0: I th- yes, I think I—I I think I am. I think I am. I'm. I'm. You know, as an actor, I don't court uh, publicity or notoriety. Mm. I'd rather let the work speak for itself, and and then shut my mouth about other things. I don't know why the hell I'm doing this.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Too late to back out now. Too late, too late. Interesting. you talk there about playing on the street and... and Yeah,
0: you could in those days. Mm. You know, it was perfectly safe.
8: But do you think, in a way, you look at current generations with technology and iPads and everything like that, and there's almost no need to imagine anymore. Do you think yes, having yes. very limited materials at your sort of disposal made you conjure up worlds more easily?
0: Absolutely, yes. One lived in a in a world of imagination. Mm. And you, I mean, I would play with other kids in the street and we'd imagine scenarios and contexts and imagine being somebody else, mm. dressing to look like somebody else. And um, yes, one lived... One lived in a world of imagination and creativity. Mm. Um, And we, we, I mean, I can't, I don't think we saw television until the 50s. Uh, We had a television in the room. Mm. And you sat in the dark, closed all the curtains, turned all the lights off to watch that flickering box in the corner. Yes. You made your own entertainment, Mm. you know.
8: I was going to say, would that have coincided with the coronation when everyone seemed to suddenly oh, get a television Oh, gosh, I remember set?
0: coronation day, yes. Mm. The house was decorated with an inch of its <laughs> life. We had flags, we had everything, mm. and uh, aunts and uncles came round because they didn't have a telly then. No. And we watched the telly all day, the whole the shebang, and it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful.
8: You're stepping back a little bit then to the war, you weren't really... Evacuated as such, but you did spend a period out in the country towards Bletchley Park.
0: That's right, in a village called Little Brick Hill, mm. two miles from Bletchley, yes. Strangely that I was two <laughs> miles from Alan Turing, who I later played. Maybe a little bit spread through the ether. I think might have been, might have been, yes. I, I was evacuated with my cousin mm. and his mum, my aunt. My mother stayed in London working. And all through the war she worked and uh, I saw her while I was um, evacuated I only saw her whenever she came down to little brick hill to visit you know and it was I enjoyed it on the whole I enjoyed it I, I the the one instance I do remember was we went to the local school the village school and there was going to be a picnic and we were asked to take a a plate and a knife and fork with our names on them and all that. So Raymond, my cousin, who was about three, four years older than me. We did all that. We arrived at the school for the picnic. And uh, we were told that we couldn't go on the picnic because we were evacuees and we weren't of the village. So we went back to our digs, which were in a pub. And my aunt, uh, who, who was a true... East End lady and an East End mum dragged us back to the school, to the village school, and there proceeded to tear the headmistress apart. I have never, that's where I learned all my slang words. I'd never heard those words before. She absolutely tore her to shreds. By the time we got back to the pub, the landlord had organized our own little <laughs> picnic. Um, but it was a strange moment when they said no. To the evacuees, because other than that, we, we'd been welcomed. Mm. Holy, you know.
8: And you talk about being an only child. Mm. How was your sort of experience growing up with, you know, another child in the form of your cousin? Was there almost a surrogate sibling quality to
0: it, or not really? Not really. I, I had a strange relationship with with my cousin Billy because I didn't really know him, mm. and years later. It was a bit late. When he was twenty-one, he was told he was adopted, which was he reacted very badly. Mm. Quite right. I mean, to wait that long to tell a kid. Um, But we had very little in common. Very little in common. I was the younger one, and I was a bit um, shy and sensitive, and you know, and he took a bit of advantage of that. You know, he Mm. was he was he was a big boy and. there there was this little little derrick sniveling in the corner
8: (laughs) and so you had that life out in bletchley park and then after the war returned to london yeah you're reunited
0: with your father uh actually when we returned to london they were still dropping bombs oh yeah i remember raymond and i were sent out to get some fish for the cat Mm. and uh, a bomb fell on the local bus station and uh, we all threw ourselves on the floor and um, I think we were in Sainsbury's or something. And a lady, another lady shopper saw these two kids, um, said, Where do you live? Took us back to my aunt's house, the windows of which had been blown out. Mm. My aunt was under the table. I'm, I'm sorry, she was sitting on the table. Mm. Um, we said, why, "Why aren't you under the table, Aunt?" Because that's the same thing. She said, "Well, I, I was under the table, but I saw a mouse, <laughs> and uh, that frightened her much more than the bombs." Um, but that, I think, that was sort of forty-one, forty-two. I mm. can't quite remember. But they they were still dropping. As a child, were you scared? Um, not really. I not really. I, I remember being bundled up and taken down to. We had an air raid shelter in the garden. Mm. And uh, you know when, when the siren came, and we all had to go down to the shelter, and I was wrapped up and taken down. And uh, uh, my, my, I remember my grandfather and grandmother, and my my mum. Uh, my grandfather kind of stood guard outside the Anderson shelter. Um, I remember one night saying, the first person who farts in here." <laughs> <laughs> Get, gets expelled because they weren't very roomy these these huts mm. and shelters. So my my memories of the war were were sort of quite pleasant. Mm. Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared.
8: No. I suppose you wouldn't have known anything. I really other at that no. Point, so.
0: It really didn't impact mm. that 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 much. No, no. I mean, I was very young. Mm. War broke out when I was one.
8: Yes. And so, when you came back together as a family yeah. and, and the war ended and sort of real life started to take hold again, yeah. what was your sort of family routine like? For,
0: for me, it all coalesced when mum, dad, and I went to Piccadilly Circus mm. when they turned the lights back on. That was a big moment when London was illuminated again. Mm. And I remember my father giving me a flying angel on his shoulders in the middle of a packed Piccadilly Circus to watch... I Was it Oxo? Was it Bovril? The big light came mm. on. Um, and there was cheering and dancing. And that was kind of the moment when, right, war's over. Now we can get on with life and it's all going to be lovely. Um, and there were um celebrations in the street and everything and um I won the fancy dress in the street oh what were you dressed yeah, as yeah i i was dressed in rags covered in ration books and i went as mother's worries and i got first prize and i think that's really made me think right acting is, mm. is for me um but that that was the beginning of of normality and then and then on, we were a very normal family. Holidays down in Torquay and Babacombe and Bournemouth and every summer. Mm. And uh, I loved school. And then I then I had a momentary lapse when I I caught rheumatic fever. Mm. And I was in bed for a year.
4: Just go to bigfinish.com and type Jacoby into the search pane. That's J A. C-O-B-I, if you didn't know how to spell it, uh, into the search pane at the top to find this very special release.
1: And if you go to the Big Finish Presents range, you'll find all the Big Finish in Conversation releases featuring interviews with Tom Baker, Colin Baker, Jacqueline Pierce, and others. In the meantime... <laughs>
4: It's the Randomoid Selectatron, where we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Oh, oh here we go. What have go. we got? Come, we on, go. then. come on, Come on. I Randomoid can't wait. I can't wait. Come on, come on. No, don't spoil it. No, what?
1: <sighs> Hold on. The window vanished. So oh, it's the window. Alert.
4: The window has vanished.
1: The window has vanished, but it's all right, because it's back now. Yes. And here it is. It's The Churchill Years, Volume 2. Oh, right, OK. The Churchill Years. A bit uh, doing his thing there. Neve McIntosh, uh, Owen Aronovich. Uh, it's huge names in this one. Uh, Mark Elstov uh, actually Yay. is in this one. can When you say huge names, you mean a lot of names, do you? A lot of names. Nicholas Asprey. Oh,
4: uh, yeah. Ken Morgan, who I'm always trying to employ, and he's always too busy. James Joyce, yeah. Great. Oh, what a fantastic cast. Anyway, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions.
3: Call me Vastra, Madam Vastra. You say a friend of yours is in danger. Winston Churchill. Churchill.
6: The Churchill Years, Volume 2. The familiar, rakish figure, wearing my favourite of all his suits.
1: A striped affair in good old Tory blue.
3: And there he was, sat at the window table in his matching plum-coloured frock coat and bow tie.
1: There's no doubt it's a weapon. And it destroyed the mountain completely If we could somehow possess
0: it ourselves
6: Tonight I urge you all Bite back with me Resist the German occupation
3: I assume I'm talking to the Prime Minister of these islands Your irritating lieutenant has indicated that you want to make a deal for the weapons your enemies were so Strident in trying to obtain from me
7: in my ship,
1: as you are well aware, there is technology more powerful and more destructive than you can possibly imagine.
0: You can subdue your enemies. I... <laughs> my goodness! That direction, the rear of the column. It's happening! Winnie, need... they're firing!
3: What's there?
0: That, Mrs. Wheeler, is what we have come looking for.
3: It's von Moltke's, dropping incendiary bombs to warn us we can't escape on foot. Ah!
6: a strange purple spark leaped from the doctor's device then everything exploded
4: big finish we love stories well there you have it uh, lovely bit of uh, Ian McNeese. well in fact all of him uh, not just a bit of him uh, directed by Ken Bentley music by Howard Carter what more can you want the whole package there Lovely um, I'll tell you what uh, while I email Jackie at Big Finish to make sure she puts the offer live which she always does beautifully uh, would you like to just
1: um, describe would,
4: how to get hold of it is that
1: alright? It'd be an absolute pleasure I know we don't normally do, do it that way but uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes it's fallen into this catastrophe now uh, Yeah and all you have to do is go to bigfinish.com you can find details of the podcast on the homepage or you can click the podcast tab and find it there or you can click audiobooks and find it in the Big Finish podcast range. When you've done that, select this week's podcast and click Read More. And you can see that it says, The Randomoid Electron also features offering you a 25% reduction on the selected release. Just click here and enter the code BUCKUP. That's B-U-C-K-U-P. All capital letters, no spaces, no complications, no parties in this nation. Um, just click there and that will do the
4: work. Amazing, amazing. Well, it just took me a little bit longer than previously to send that email, so I'm all at sixes and sevens.
1: I'm I'm all fingers and thumbs.
4: (laughs) Well, anyway, thanks, Ran. Uh, Next week's podcast will be packed with all sorts of amazing Big Finish goodness, but for now, it's tippity-top
1: secret. Well, it's time for me to say don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Mm. Nick and I will be back next week. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
6: Bye.
4: Time now for Jenny 2 Still Running Inside the Maldivarium by Adrian Poynton and starring Georgia Tennant.
2: If you were going for destroy the engine completely, yeah, you very nearly had it.
3: Whoosh, oh, You're not giving up on the Jenny 7 yet.
2: We are not calling it that. What happened?
3: Diagnostic computer says the nebula reactor burnt out.
2: How is that even possible? They don't just stop working. They last millennia.
3: Well, this one didn't. Think you can fix it?
2: Well, not now you've pushed it like that, I can't. Honestly, I've tried every workaround I can think of. I'm sorry, Jenny, but we're trapped here. On this barren, empty rock of nothingness.
3: bit melodramatic. Well, we're gonna have to go and ask for help, here.
2: I'm sorry, did you just? Scan the planet again, yeah. The planet that doesn't show up on any maps or star charts? Yes. The unnamed planet that was literally invisible to all NAVCOM scans and detection that you somehow managed to crash land on, you thought that was worth another scan, did you? Yeah,
3: but I did a thing scanned harder. I'm getting good with all this tech stuff too. And it turns out, not as abandoned as we thought. What even is this place? A bar, whatever that is, and a trading post. Maybe they can sell us the parts we need, or at least help us find a new ship.
2: I don't like this, Jenny. Yeah, you never do. One settlement? Only one? On this whole planet? Hidden from standard level scans? I mean, it's like they don't want to be found. How do we know it's even safe? I don't. I do wish you wouldn't smile when you say that. And does this terrifying bar slash trading post have a name?
3: Of course. And for somewhere so well hidden, when you actually find it, their data stamp is surprisingly informative. And? They call it the Maldivarium. Should we go and have a look inside?
2: That's one word for it.
3: I mean, look at all these ships. Think of all the places they've been or where they go.
2: A weird, hard-to-find bar on a deserted asteroid in the middle of nowhere with this amount of space traffic. Does that
3: seem right to you? That looks like the entrance over there.
2: This is the part where the running for our lives usually starts. And yet I'm still following her. Why am I still following her? I should run away.
3: Hey, wait for me. Hello, I'm Jenny lovely place you've got here. Oi! Force field? seriously?
6: Greetings and congratulations. You've either found by chance or been invited to the Moldomerium. You run fast. Please, place your invitation. ID chip or DNA on the wall scanner on your right. Right. Okay,
3: do we have any of those? I've got DNA, but he's not having any of it.
6: So be
2: it. Please state your intent inside this establishment. Oh, it's an interactive program.
3: I'm Jenny. This is Noah. Our ship broke down, and we want to try and obtain a new nebula reactor.
2: Did that scanner just turn green? Admittance approved. What? They probably just extract their DNA from the saliva droplets in our breath.
3: I well, better not have
2: access granted.
6: Please enjoy yourself responsibly. And if you can't, it's nothing to do with me. <laughs>
3: I am not happy about them having our DNA. Do you think they'll be able to help me find out
2: who or what I am?
3: This lot here, no chance. I just don't like the idea of them having it.
2: Are you still worried the Colt 5000 is tracking us?
3: No, it's been months. I really think we lost her at that space station.
2: But you can't be totally sure.
3: No, I can't. So, the best thing for us to do is to keep ourselves moving. Therefore, we're going to need that reactor for the ship. And to get that, we need to go... Inside the Moldavarium. Seriously? I'm just trying to keep it light. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? What indeed?
6: The girl and the boy just entered the building. Monitor them. I want to know everything they do and anyone they speak to. Oh, and Mr. Probos? Yes, Mr. Molivar. There could be no disruptions. Not tonight. Of course, Mr. Molivar.
3: to make your doorways more mysterious.
2: Or to get you tangled up in when you try and escape.
3: Oh, yeah, maybe. That's actually really clever.
2: Is this what a bar's always like? I'm not sure. That creature over there behind the counter seems to be interacting with a lot of people, giving them drinks. We should ask it about where we can buy things.
3: Great. You start there, I'll go table to table and ask everyone else. Oh,
2: no, I wasn't suggesting we split up. Every
3: well, if we don't, we'll be here twice as long.
2: Good point. See you back here in 20? Absolutely. Hello? Is anybody sitting here? No? Okay then.
3: What can I get you? Oh, uh
2: I don't know. Um, could you maybe start by answering a couple of questions?
3: Happily. It's as much a part of the job as anything else.
2: Good. Right. Okay then. Uh, so question number one.
3: What actually is a bar? Hello, I'm Jenny. Sorry, were you having a private conversation? Oh, don't mind me. I'm just exploring. Going round, introducing myself to people, being polite.
2: Seriously? People just come here for a drink? And a chat?
3: Of course!
0: Mm And in a place like this, there's often a lot to talk about.
2: Really?
3: Hello, Jenny. I'm just going round saying hi. I was just over there chatting to their ogron, and he said I should come here to talk to you about buying some parts for my ship. But I don't want to interrupt if you have other business. I have no business with you. Oh, right. But you do have some business here, though. Leave me alone. A drink, perhaps? Oh, yes,
2: please. Uh, because that's what people do in bars. I'll have a glass of your finest water, please.
3: As you wish. I that's because you're thicker
8: than an grown cocktail. (laughs)
3: Well, obviously, I'm here for the same reason that you all are. Wink, wink, hush, hush, secret and all that. Uh, but just in case, you know, it, it slipped my mind, what reason would that be again?
2: Oh, Well oh, you were right. This water is glorious. I mean, literally the best water I've ever tasted.
3: It should be. It's naturally frozen and mined in the ice caves of the seventh moon of Ishalan. It's incredibly pure and rare. Which, of course, why it costs so much. Sorry, what? This isn't free. You asked for my finest water.
2: On a scale of puddle to tap? This is not what I meant at all. You can't charge me for this. I can. I will.
3: And I have.
2: Look, there must be something... Oh! Oh, hello, Noah. You ask too many questions, girl. Jenny?
3: I don't know what he means. I was just being friendly.
2: I'm assuming you didn't find the engine part we need.
3: No, not yet. You?
2: No, although I have just paid, um... Forty-five hundred. Forty-five hundred credits for a water.
3: Yikes. You? You owe me an apology. For what? I was just saying hello. I am way newer to the universe than you are. I'm just trying to make some friends.
5: You are no friend of mine. And I said you owe me an apology. Holster your weapon. Now... It's not a weapon, it's my arm. Put it down, and go back to your table. I will not ask again. Now I've got my eye on you, little girl. Send him a drink, on the house. Of course. And you, follow me. Your presence is requested.
3: Oh, good. I've been wanting to meet your boss since the moment we got here.
2: This way. Jenny. Shh,
3: I've got this. I am in control of the situation. Yeah,
2: that sentence stopped being your comfort a long time ago.
3: Alright, a little less of the pushing, thanks.
6: The people you required. Oh, good, good. Uh, please. Won't you take a seat? A drink? Maybe something to eat?
2: (laughs) I don't think so. This is how they got me last time.
6: I assure you, my timid little friend, this offer is completely on my tab. Oh, well, actually, I'm a little peckish.
3: No, we're not getting into this man's debt that easily.
6: (laughs) Oh, I like her. She's clever.
3: You're the hologram outside. Is this your place?
6: Doria Moldovar at your service. You named the bar after yourself. She keeps doing that with her ships.
3: Because it's funny and I know it annoys you. Not like naming this place, though. That just stinks of ego.
6: Hmm, yes, perhaps. But I've worked a long time to get my name its reputation. So sue me if I like a little credit. And what reputation is that, Mr Moldovar? <laughs> you are delightful. I'd ask her. She knows. Do I? What is he talking about? My dear boy, Mr... Don't tell me if... Oh. Noah. What I do here, or anywhere else to be honest, is I obtain things. Whatever a person needs. Items, information, whatever is desired. For the right price, of course. And now I have a few questions for you. What brings you here? What do you need me to obtain for you? And did she obtain the information she was looking for? Um, sorry, what? Jenny? Bless you. You really are adorable, aren't you? Didn't you see her bouncing table to table, playing all innocent, hunting for information?
3: I was looking for someone to sell us a nebula reactor. Of
6: course you were. And therefore, you've come to the right place. But please, don't think I was bored yesterday. I know someone working a room when I see it. I've been doing it all my life. Jenny?
3: We just need the reactor and we'll be on our way.
6: Indeed. There is just the matter of payment, of course. And although, in the circles I tend to move, the cost of parts required really might seem quite minimal. Looking at you two, I can't help but think, perhaps, you may not actually be able to afford one.
3: Fine. We'll get off this rock some other way. Come on, Noah.
6: Of course, if that's how you want to play it. Just know, at the Moldavarium, we can always come to some sort of arrangement.
3: What type of arrangement did you have in mind? Washer-uppers. He wants us to pay for the reactor by washing up.
5: No, just one of you. The pretty one is to go to the bar and wait table.
3: Oh, yeah, that'd be right. Always the woman who gets to be the waitress, sent out there to be chatted up and demeaned. That is sexist and insulting. I
5: said the pretty one. So, the pretty one will go and do it. Me? Wait,
3: him?
2: I'm the pretty one? Yes.
5: Uniforms and trays are over there.
2: Okay. And you? You?
5: Rubber gloves.
3: Wash. <sighs> Unbelievable. Bewed. Rescue the space station full of clones. I can defeat the washing up. I'm Jim, doctor's daughter. Nothing's gonna stop me. Oh, come on, people! This is dried on! Oh, seriously, guys, you've got to start rinsing first. You won't believe the time I'll save.
6: Them to work as i requested i did mr moldavar are you sure we should be helping them
5: especially tonight more and more buyers are arriving all the time this place is too hot to be helping lost young girls
6: mr provost if you believe that girl is lost and helpless well it's a good job i employ you for your strength now isn't it i'm keeping them close because I'm not done with discovering their secrets yet. And secrets have value, Mr. Probos. And this one here, she feels rich in secrets to me. Very rich indeed.
3: Don't you scrub up nicely, pretty
2: one. Don't do that. Acting all casual like you couldn't care less.
3: Noah, for the last time, I am not jealous that the weird elephant bouncer finds you more attractive than me. The a sentence I never expected to hear myself say.
2: I'm not talking about that. What Dorian said. He was right, wasn't he? You planned this. Noah, you're just
3: being silly now.
2: Am I? Because this is exactly the type of reckless and dangerous thing you'd do. And no doubt for all the right reasons. Go on. Deny it. Deny you did this.
3: Fine, of course I did. I fiddled with the engine and crashed the ship here on purpose. Why?
2: Why did you lie to me, Jenny?
3: Because you'd have never let me come voluntarily. No,
2: I wouldn't have. Because that's not our deal. We don't target things directly. We just float around the universe, through space and occasionally time, but we do not target problems directly.
3: But why not?
2: Because it's too dangerous.